listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 25th of May 2021. Later, the Commonwealth Bank shares edges closer to $100, a record. So what's the outlook for the banking sector. But first, we've got a bit of an extended interview about salaries because a year after pay cuts and wage freezes because of COVID, a decent pay rises on the way. Well, the team at Hayes, the recruiter, says seven out of 10 employers plan to offer a pay rise in the next 12 months. So just how big will they be? Well, Hayes says of the three and a half thousand employers it surveyed, 1% said it expects a decrease in pay for their employers, employees. 32% say no increase. 55% expects to offer pay rises of up to 3%. 10% offer pay rises between 3 and 6%. And 2% of those employers plan to offer pay rises in excess of 6%. So to find out more, I spoke earlier with Hayes, Australia and New Zealand Managing Director, Nick D. Legian. Nick, to what extent are employers looking to hire more people in 21-22 and will they be paying more? Well, the good news is that more employers will be hiring people in the year ahead. 67% of employers indicated that they were going to increase their headcount in the year ahead, um, and that's opposed to 20, 25% last year. So um, there's a, a substantial increase on volumes of vacancies that are going to be um, uh, progressed into the marketplace. Um, As far as the pay rates go, what we're still terming it as is restrained wages growth. Um, The majority of employers are going to be paying the lesser amount of zero to 3% um, salary increase, only 12% paying above 3%. Can we go into that in more detail? Because your survey found seven in 10 say they intend to increase salaries in the year ahead, but these pay rises will be small, as you mentioned. Why do you think they will be small and and, and just how small? I think, um, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic year. I think organisations still have got cost controls and budgetary constraints, and understandably so. We're not out of the woods yet, although things are looking clearly much better than what they were six months ago. So I think that's the reason for the wage constraint. I think the competitive pressures on the market from the marketplace will dictate that um, there'll be upward salary on on, on wages and wage inflation. And I think that could, um, you know, manifest itself with increased wages as the year goes on, um, simply due to demand outstripping supply for talent. So given all of that, we heard a lot about how the RBA says wages growth won't be a problem and wages need to rise so that inflation rises before we see interest rates hit uh, start to increase as well. But that won't happen until 2024. Is that something that you're kind of seeing with this report too? Yeah, I think what the RBA is saying and what has come through the data in our report um, is also that it's a you know, constrained lower wages growth. Um, what we're seeing on the ground, though, in the marketplace is there's talent shortages emerging, really significant talent shortages. And because of that, um, there, is, there is clearly pressure, upward pressure on salaries. You know, when you've got a demand increasing and supply under pressure, um, typically the market forces mean that you need to pay more to access that talent. Um, we're seeing that in a really practical way where employers at the moment, if they're, lo- if they're losing staff or about to lose staff, are coming back with significant counter-offers to try and retain staff. So that's a really practical application of wages um, growth occurring right now. 
So just how much of a problem is that skill shortage and where are we seeing that? Yes, shortage is a major, major problem. Um, clearly, it's come through in the data through the um, Hay Salary Guide. Two-thirds of employers are saying that right now they're, they're, they're really concerned about accessing the talent and the skills from the market that allow them to effectively operate their business in the year ahead. 22% of employers have indicated that right now within their organisation, they've got talent shortages and skill shortages that will impact on their ability to execute on their strategic growth plan. So, look, I think it's a real issue. Um, employers will need to grapple with that. Um, it's a competitive environment, how they go to market to access that talent um, and how they invest in training and development and upskilling of their own people is going to be really important. So your guide says around only 12% of employers expect to issue a pay rise of over 3% or more, but will it be in these where the areas of skill shortages are where we'll see larger pay increases and, and which kind of areas are they in? Yeah, absolutely right. It's the areas with the biggest demand um, and the biggest shortage of, of talented, skilled professionals will be the areas that will be impacted the most. Um, in the year ahead, we see um, architecture, um, technology, uh, we see construction, accountancy and finance, um, health services, life sciences, those types of areas are going to have significant demand and upward pressure. Right, so with a, a skills shortage, what else can employers offer if money is a bit of a problem? Here is more of Nick DeLegianis. Yeah, I think the first thing employers need to do is um, take stock of the market, understand that it's a changing market rapidly. So demand is increasing substantially. So being able to benchmark your salaries to the market and know exactly where they are relating to the marketplace in a competitive environment is the first step then it's about clearly articulating your position to your workforce and trying to be as competitive as possible. The other consideration for employers is that um, salary is only one component of someone being um, retained in your organisation or when looking to leave an organisation and go to a new one, um, salary is an important factor, but there's other factors that have come through um, as really important to employees, things like training and development, career progression opportunities, flexibility with their work arrangements. So for employees, what are the, the most in-demand skills to have at the moment? I think technology is a really hot sector, you know, cloud engineering, uh, cybersecurity, UX, UI, front-end, customer-centric um, uh, and customer-interfacing type of skills. We've certainly got high-demand in construction. There's a $100 billion-plus infrastructure program the government is running over the next 10 years. And, and massive um, demand for infrastructure specialists to drive those projects. Um, the whole life sciences area, healthcare area, with an ageing population in aged care and also in the dis disability space. So there's a number of areas that have got significant demand um, and that'll just increase over the next 12 months. And for anyone looking to get a pay rise now and approaching their employers, especially at a time when so many people either had their pays on hold, any increases on hold because of COVID or even had to take a pay cut, how should they approach that? Well, I think it's really important. Um, the time is now to have those conversations because employers are very focused at the moment on 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 retention of key staff and on, on, on talent within their organisation. And they're also very focused on trying to access talent from the marketplace. So it's a really great time to have a really constructive, um, proactive conversation with your employer. Um, it's always a good idea to plan well for that, you know, come in with evidence to that meeting of, 
the types of skills that you've developed, the contribution you're making um, to be able to articulate exactly the value you're providing to your employer. And given the circumstances of the shortages of talent in the market, as I say, it's a really good time to have those conversations now. Final question. And what about being realistic about if it's about money, how much of a pay rise one can get? How, how do they kind of figure out how hard they should go? Yeah, look, I think our high salary guide is a really good reference point to that. It, it, it sort of pegs um, salaries in the marketplace and gives a really good understanding of what levels that they're at. But the other thing is um, employees also need to be aspirational, but at the same time realistic in understanding we've come out of the pandemic year and emerging from that to the extent that we have. Um, clearly cost constraints, profitability levels in organisations are still very much front of mind with employers. So I think if you go in with that mindset, but understanding that, um, you know, also, you know, it's been a hiatus in salary increases for the last year due to the pandemic. So it's very reasonable to expect salary growth, um, you know, when, when demand is increasing so substantially. So if you've got that balanced view going into the conversation and, and have a really constructive, proactive conversation, you have the best opportunity to have a win-win situation for both the employee and the employer. Nick D. Giulianis there, the Managing Director of Hayes, the recruitment company of Australia and New Zealand. Uh, let's take a look at the Australian share market now. The S&P ASX 200 up 1% to 7,115 points. The major miners doing well despite a fall in the iron ore price again. For more, I spoke earlier with Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, the market's up today. Why? <laughs> it's always a good day when the US has a good night before, and that often has helped. Also, too, some sort of rebound with iron ore stocks and the banking stocks have really helped. With CBA, close enough to 100 bucks. It's, uh, it's been a good day on the ASX. I want to break those two down in detail. Let's start with iron ore. Yesterday, we heard from China trying to limit commodity speculation, which, see, which has seen iron ore prices surge. So they came back down as a result yesterday from what um, China said. So have we seen peak iron ore? This is fascinating, isn't it? I, <laughs> predictions are, are, are for the mugs. I will say I think iron ore is unsustainably high and currently simply just represents the imbalance of supply and demand. When either the demand goes down or supply goes up, we will absolutely see lower iron ore prices. Anyone's guess how long that takes, but I don't think this is sustainable, no. Still, iron ore exports are, are surging. Total exports, we heard today from the ABS, of all commodities and services uh, hit a record $36 billion in April. Like I mentioned, a lot of that is iron ore, most of it going to China. So what's the outlook for the miners? This is phenomenal, isn't it? Look, the volumes are really, really strong, and that's been right through the pandemic. China still requires plenty of our iron ore for their construction and manufacturing needs. So that's going to be good. The outlook for the miners, of course, though, is far more about price than it is in quantity. Quantity might move around by 5 or 10%, but as we know, prices can double or half, so it's all about the price. I don't think the market is assuming the price will be as low as it may well be. I'd be bearish on the miners from this point. The Commonwealth Bank hit another record intraday today. What's your take on the banks and, and where's it going? It's a fascinating recovery. The last three months, tech has been sold off dramatically while the miners and banks have done remarkably well. I think as people prepare for higher interest rates, that's a reasonable thing to prepare for. I do worry, though, that earnings growth for the banks can't be sustained at the levels that the current share prices require. They're simply not going to be able to find enough higher borrowing prices, effectively property prices or business loans, to justify the higher share prices. 
All right, which sectors do you like at the moment and why? I think it's worth looking at those underloved tech stocks, quite honestly. Uh, some of the companies like Kogan, for example, that I own shares of, for full disclosure, others have been absolutely hammered almost in the kind of knee-jerk response to the COVID vaccine. We love the fact there's a vaccine, but almost instantly, plenty of those tech stocks hit really significant lows that I don't think are sustained by what's likely to be growing demand in future. And very briefly, let's just briefly on cryptocurrencies, right? I want to get your take because I want to know how much of a serious investment is it really? Because if a tweet from Elon Musk can move cryptocurrencies so dramatically like it did again last night up 10% after another tweet you know is it a serious investment there's a decent reason tweets aren't investment advice if you see so much sentiment driving asset prices on the basis of one or two tweets that tells you exactly what's going on that is the fundamentals right now aren't front and center it's all about sentiment hope expectation speculation you'll notice none of those words are investment scott phillips there from the motley fool you can follow me on a Twitter and Instagram at Business Ricardo. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.